0: Hello, everybody. It's Michael Martin. Thanks for being here. So another thing that simulation can help you with in not just figuring out what your max drawdown is and what that the length of the uh, the duration of the drawdown, you can find out that there are other like if the max drawdown and the duration is like 22% and lasts like seven months, that might be like a Hurricane Andrew kind of situation. However, there are other like thunderstorms, if you will, that you'd have to live through that are shorter. There might be three and four month uh, drawdowns that last, you know, that have, you know, eight or 9% pullbacks, right? So you'd want to know the frequency and the magnitude, not just of the worst drawdown, but of any particular drawdown at any given time. This way you can understand how frequently do they occur because you will have invariably if you do this long enough you're going to have winning streaks you're going to have losing streaks for a whole host of reasons that sometimes have nothing to do with your ability they just are, the, are what they are but again knowing this ahead of time can have a profound impact on you on your preparation because a couple of things if you look at your compounded annual growth rate from the simulation and the monte carlo stuff then you look at the drawdowns, which are always the most important thing that I look at. You might be able to go back and ratchet and say, you know what? I'm going to cut my risk unit by one-tenth of 1% and see what that does to the overall process. You see? Now, of course, that doesn't mean that things might change all that much. But what it could do is lessen the size of the drawdown and shorten the duration, which means you get back to being profitable all that more. Now, this is a kind of a clever a clever technique or trading tactic in that when you go into drawdown, you can actually program the simulator to trade a different risk unit. There comes a little, I don't want to call it Bayes, Bayes theorem here, but if you know that there's a 10% probability of a drawdown happening You might be able to look at the data and say, okay, in 60% of the instances when I was down 5%, I went down 10%. So knowing that, that there's an 80% chance of a 5% drawdown, and then there's a 60% chance of that 5% drawdown going to a 10% drawdown, you can do a little math, and I'm not going to spell it out here because, again, that just does nothing but piss people off because they can't see the numbers – but you can say probability after probability then you can calculate or recalculate a smaller bet size knowing that the probability of a further decline is greater than it not happening right if you have a 60% chance of being down 5 and it going down 10 then the 40% chance of going back to break even you can change your bet size to trade smaller right so that's a way that you can improve by modeling and it's not necessarily even curve fitting anything because it's irrelevant to what instrument you're trading, what particular stock or commodity or cross currency. doesn't matter. Whatever gets you to the drawdown, got you there. There's a beautiful thing about just looking at the math is that you don't have the bias. You don't have to fall in love with the name. You say, well, dude, it's Nvidia. Well, <laughs> that's great. But again, you don't, you don't want to become romantically attached to these names. So you can use that in your simulation to say, ah, I look at this. This There's interesting information. I never would have known this had I not run the numbers. So then you can say, well, I want to cut my bet size. Who knows? Cut it 10%, cut it in half. Also understand, though, that when you do come out of the drawdown with a smaller bet size, you might want to have a rule to reinstate when you're going back to your full bet size. Because... The good news is is that when you trade smaller, you tend to lose less money, both from a net currency standpoint, whatever denomination currency you're using, right? And percentage-wise, if I go from trading 1% risk units and then in my drawdown, I start going to 25 basis point drawdowns. Now I've just chopped up my remaining money into 400 units where I was originally trading 100 units of risk units, right? 100 risk units at 1% each. If when I'm at 90%, I drop my bet size to one-fourth of one percent, now all of a sudden I have, what, 360, you know, four times 90, right? Because now I take my one percent risk unit and I divide it by four. So I have 90% of my capital, each of them being in one-fourth of one percent increments. Now I have 360 risk units, right? So your rate of return that you make in australian dollars or euros or yen or american dollars it's gonna it's gonna be smaller because you have a smaller bet size sure you can get lucky and have a couple big moves um but that's random not predictable so then you might say okay well i'm gonna trade smaller at minus five if i draw it down to minus seven then i come back to minus five you can also see you know is that just a smaller wave and a bigger wave where i can still go from five down to seven, back to five, back to seven, back to minus 10, right? That can happen. Or when, I down, when I'm when i down five or six or seven and I recover X percent of that, like 50%, if I'm down seven and I recover three and a half, what's the probability that I keep going back to break even? You know, this is all very fascinating stuff that you can use to say – you know, how am I going to manage my risk? Because that's how money is made and lost. It's in the risk management. Your entries and your exits, yeah, they're important because you have to add and remove risk. But money is made and lost by your bet size, your position sizing. You see? And that's going you know, to super nuanced. And again, we're not talking about tickers here. Just talking about percentages. This is the beautiful thing is that you can remove a lot of bias by just looking at the data. So hopefully that will help you Because what you don't want to get done, and this happens, it's kind of the point of the story here, seven minutes into the episode, is if you look at what happened in the past week, people could barely believe that the market drew down as much as it did in the middle of COVID-19. They couldn't believe it rallied. And then there were a lot of folks who got in at the latter stage of the rally just in time for the massive pullback. So not having a plan can freeze you into indecision. And stop you from pulling the trigger because you're just in, un, insecure. You don't know what you're doing, so you're afraid to do anything. And you sit and you watch. Then it becomes super painful. Now, it's impossible to know how that Zoom could be up 130 bucks or 40% in a day, right? That's, no one could predict that. The best you can do, um, the best you can do is you know, put your trades in. It's one of the reasons why I advocate putting, get in the habit of putting your stops in. I don't care if you're risking, you know, honestly, 0.05% or 25 basis points or you're trading full 1% or 2% risk units. I typically wouldn't advocate trading that large. However, get in the habit of putting your orders. Now, you might have, say you're running $10 bucks, and you haven't been doing it and you're having an emotional block, you just can't do it. Well, then risk $1,000 and put the orders in. You know get in the habit of doing the right behavior because the behavior is tied up to your you know thoughts we have thoughts we have feelings we have actions that's part of your planning and your actions are your behavior that predicts where you end up so if you want to keep missing trades then keep not putting your stop orders in you'll always be in a reactive mode and we talked about that last week so that if you're not willing to put on the stops in the beginning to catch the breakout when you know there could be momentum in your favor Typically, that person results to trying to buy pullbacks because they've missed the first move. And so now they have a system that's based on regret, which I wouldn't advocate. So with that is, again, more food for thought. Don't be frozen in indecision. Get in the habit of doing good habits because they start to compound on you and you get paid for doing really smart things. You might have trouble, well, I want to put my stops in, but then I have to watch. Well, for what? How is that serving you, right? Because again, the market's going to go where it's going to go, regardless of whether you're watching or not. So let it go. Surrender. You're powerless. Watching it is entertainment. That's all it is. It's infotainment. And I prefer to go spend my days with the people I care about and otherwise. You know, don't want to sit in front of the screen and kill my life. It's not going to change things, perform just as well. Anyway, thanks for being here. If you'd like a free copy of the audiobook version of The Inner Voice of Trading, please go get it. It's at Martin Chronicle. It's on me. Hope you had a good day. Thanks for being here. I'll see you tomorrow.